Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. The um, title of the talk is um, The Secret Instruction to Open Your Heart and Deepen Your Mindfulness Practice. <clears throat> Tonight's the secret teachings. <laughs> Finally, you've been waiting for the secret teachings for a long time. Here they are. Hmm. As I said just before the break, that um, uh, my wife Jane is on the concentration retreat at Spirit Rock, um, and it's a it's a beautiful retreat. I've actually been listening to uh, some of the the talks. Um, you know, you can you can go on to uh, Dharma Seed, the, the website dharmaseed.org, and there are thousands of wonderful Dharma talks, and you can follow a retreat, and they post the talks each evening. Like next, next week when we do the Labor Day retreat, they'll be posting the talks each night. You can follow a retreat and even do it at home if you feel like doing uh, a modified self-retreat at home. Um, and I decided to do a modified self-retreat at home. Um, not that I was um, sitting and walking all day, but um, and I was uh, doing work, catching up on work. Um, but um, I thought, you know, when you're when you know somebody who's on a retreat, especially say if you know somebody who's doing the three month retreat in the fall, or who's we have a, a month in February and then a month in March, and it's a two month retreat. Uh, but if you know somebody who's on a retreat. Uh, sometimes as you tune into that person, you're also tuning into everybody who's practicing together. Um, so there I was um, tuning into uh, Jane practicing and uh, my, uh, my colleagues giving the talks, um, Sally Armstrong, who I do a lot of teaching with, and, uh, and Philip Moffat and uh, Adrian uh, Ross, um, and uh, Temple Smith. Um, so I uh, just decided to do uh, the modified self-retreat since I was kind of tuned into that that schedule. And as I said, keeping things uh, pretty simple. And um, by that, um, one radical, uh, radical, radical, component that I've included in, uh, in my life at home is um, unitasking. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can get very good at, at multitasking and pride ourselves on how many balls we can keep up in the air at the same time and plates and not have them fall. But unitasking, this is a whole other level. Uh, especially when nobody's looking 
and uh, there you are on your own, and uh, you know you can go into whatever reality you choose at the click of a of a link. Um, so I uh, was keeping things pretty simple and uh, doing one thing at a time uh, definitely helps you be more here in, a, in an indescribable way. You should try it sometime, just in, in case that's, uh, that's not your way. If you do, if that's something that you are more inclined to do than uh, uh, you you know how how helpful it is and how intense it can be when you start to take too much on your plate and uh, when you have a whole lot on your plate you get indigestion uh, mental indigestion as well as other kinds um, but that's not the secret instruction just in case you're saying oh well Big deal. Okay, got there. Um, there's, uh, there's one additional element that um, I've been playing with and practicing with in addition to keeping it simple and having that uh, context to be more connected with what's happening um, that I want to talk about and this is particularly uh, since I've come back last week. I gave a talk uh, on um, part of the talk was mentioning that I had been in uh, Hawaii, and Jane and I spent uh, some time with Ramdas, who is my first teacher, benefactor, and um, heart teacher, who is in an amazing space. I showed the pictures here last week uh, where you you need shades uh, just to be around because it's, it's just so uh, radiantly um, a field of love these days. And it's uh, this additional element um, changes practice from being a chore or an assignment, oh yes, it's good to be mindful, uh, some kind of spiritual homework to um, seeing practice as a, a great opportunity and a gift that juices up your mindfulness practice. Very simply, It is practicing and learning to love the moment. Love the moment. That you might think, well, that's a pretty tall order. There's a lot of moments that don't seem very lovable. And I don't presume to uh, put this out and say, oh, this is, uh, is going to just uh, you know, be a piece of cake and you're going to just find it so much fun and easy. But 
you can bring this attitude or at least start to incline your mind with this attitude of loving the moment. And uh, I've been finding it um, very, very rich. And I'll talk about the fact that not all moments are lovable in a, in a few moments, <clears throat> a few lovable moments. Uh, maybe. Um, last week when I was talking, uh, for those who were here, uh, you remember uh, besides that um, that feeling of the heart being open and um, uh, just how wonderful it is to um, to let the love come through. Uh, I also was talking about the um, extraordinarily good karma that we have when we think about all the different possibilities of life on this planet. And, and uh, we spoke for a while, both it, it, it's still affecting me, as probably it is many of you, uh, both uh, Robin Williams passing uh, and uh, what's happening in Missouri. How to balance both of those this amazing um, gift of the Dharma with, uh, with seeing how much pain and suffering there is in the world. And I was talking uh, about the extraordinarily good karma. The, the, the talk is, we, we post these talks each week also if you go to Dharma Seed and also Insight Berkeley, our website. Uh, each week, the, the talks are posted, and I think it's I, I call it uh, "What Will You Do with Your Wild and Precious Good Karma?" That we are so incredibly fortunate to both um, be exposed to the Dharma and have an opportunity to practice it, and have tools to somehow. Um, relate to the world in a different way than um, those who are in a lot of pain and confusion and um, and are living in in very uh, difficult circumstances uh, and I was making the point of well you know there 's not much we can do other than develop our our own practice and add a little bit more kindness and consciousness and love into the world and, um, and feel deep compassion for those who are suffering and do what we can, but not be unrealistic and think it's, uh, it, it, it's up to us to save the world, but our practice has its rippling effects. Um, But out of that, with this extraordinary good karma, and then going one step further on really learning to use it well and loving this life, um, Ramdas's guru, who's you know uh, one of my main 
my main connection to my heart, who's uh, I've mentioned here many times before, his name, uh, he's called Neem Karoli Baba or Maharaji. Uh, he had an instruction that when I first heard it um, over 40 years ago, really um, moved me very simply saying, the best form to worship God is every form. I thought I heard that the best form to worship God is every form, and I realize we're we're in a a Buddhist setting. So when you hear the word God, uh, if that trips you up, just uh, translate it as the Dharma, as life. Don't let the words get in the way. They're pointing to the same mystery, the unnameable, that which is which can't be named. But that instruction, the best form to worship God is every form, uh, really stretched me. As Neem Karoli Baba often said, um, don't you see it's all perfect? And how can you say it's all perfect when there's so much suffering in the world? But this is the the curriculum here with birth and death and um, beauty and ugliness and love and ignorance. It's all part of the fabric of life. This is, this is the master recycling program. Um, and everything is part of that fabric. But to worship every form, uh, I've taken as a as a practice to keep looking for the good, even through the ignorance, even through the hatred, even through. And it's been beautiful seeing these uh, in in Ferguson all of these acts of of graciousness and kindness and caring that don't make the headlines as much as the sensational and awful things that, that are happening there. That we can overlook and just tune into uh, what's wrong, but to, mm-hmm. in our own practice, to connect with this moment of our life as amazingly precious, an amazing gift that we've been given, and to um, honor it with our presence. When you think about it, we all have a finite number of moments in our life. We don't know how many, do we? But however many it is, there are a finite number of moments. It's not an inexhaustible, endless supply. And to reflect on that and see, wow, this is a moment of my life which has never been here before and will never be here again. Hmm, might be a good idea to be here for it. 
instead of, as most of us, perhaps you can relate, um, living in, uh, in the past or in the future or in fantasy. Um, not that that's wrong or awful. It's just what minds tend to do. And that's why it takes so much training and practice to come into the moment. One, uh, one Tibetan master uh, called meditation practice uh, manual labor. That is, you're sitting on your cushion and you're just bringing it back each time. You know, okay, come on back. Let's come on back. Come on back to the moment. <clears throat> you also said uh, practice is a bit like having a love-hate relationship with your zafu, with your meditation cushion. Because sometimes it's so humbling. Other times it's, wow, I get to sit, fantastic. Mm. But when you think of those finite number of moments, and this is one that you can actually be present for, you've been given an awareness that can actually connect with the moment, and not just connect with it, but open our, your heart to it. Um, this gives juice to the practice. And when I say love the moment, I don't necessarily mean like the moment. It, it's, it's not possible to like every moment. If you're familiar with the, um, the second foundation of mindfulness in the, the discourse on the four foundations of mindfulness. The second foundation is mindfulness of the, the feeling tone of experience, what's called Vedana, where it's the understanding that every moment either has a flavor of being pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. That pretty much covers the territory, you know. Pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Not that it's wrong that there's unpleasant moments, but how we relate to those unpleasant moments is really the key to freedom. So you're not going to like the unpleasant moments. Oh, groovy, I have this pain in my knee. But you can connect with it in a way that's not adding more aversion, more anger, more frustration. You can see it as this moment of your life. If you are familiar with the refuges, taking refuge in the Dharma, I've said this many times, when you take refuge in the Dharma, you know, we do those chants at the very end that I was kind of croaking on tonight. Um, <clears throat> that says, Damang uh, Saranang Gachami, I take refuge in the Dharma. We're saying, I open up to this moment of life as, the po- as a gift for me to awaken. I take refuge in life just as it is in this moment. And this, this moment has the uh, intrinsic gift 
for me to learn to relate to in a wise way, in a kind way. It's a gift. <clears throat> so this is really, uh, it's not liking, but it's, it's having an intimacy with your experience. That's another way to put it. Having an intimacy, connecting with your experience and seeing, oh, this moment is something that I can, I can um, use to my benefit and be grateful for. <clears throat> the Zen master Dogen, uh, one of the great Zen masters uh, in this pithy teaching that I've mentioned from time to time, he says, <clears throat> to, to study the Dharma, to study Buddhism, is to study the self. That's the first line. This is the, the laboratory that you have to understand reality. So you're studying this mind-body process called me. To study the self is to forget the self. That is, when you really see who you are, not just your concept of who you are, your self-image or those things that you're carrying around about your personality and all of those dramas, when you see who you really are, then you can forget the self. You're no longer preoccupied with how am I doing? Am I okay? Do people like me? Did I blow it? Hey, I think I was pretty good that time and it's all about I, me, mine. Good or bad, it's still about I, me, mine. But to study the self is to forget the self and to forget the self as Dogen says, is to be intimate with all things. When you're not so preoccupied with how am I doing, then you can actually see, oh, what's going on here? Oh, there's life going on. Check it out. And that's when you have true connection, when you're, the reference isn't how am I doing? But, oh, this is a moment of life. Gifted to me. Can I be here for it? <clears throat> now, in loving the moment, true love is not about wanting anything from the moment. If you're familiar with in the Theravadan teachings, loving kindness, metta, is an outflow of energy. It's not what's in it for me. It's a tuning in and connecting with a spirit of goodwill. But even if you happen to know what's happening, thinking about your experience is different from directly experiencing it. That is, when I'm I'm talking about this, what I'm calling loving the moment or being intimate with the moment, um, bringing an embodied presence to your experience. That is, not even, oh, I'm doing this now, but a complete connection to what's happening. As an example, just uh, try this for a moment. 
Uh, you can close your eyes as you do this. And uh, be aware that you're breathing. Just know that you're breathing right now. And now, directly experience your breath. Not just know that you're breathing. Connect directly. What is the actual experience of breathing right now? See if you can bring a curiosity as if you're, mm, if you were writing an essay, what it's like for humans to breathe. Be right in it. Forgetting about the writing the essay, just tune in so closely that you are actually the breath. The breath breathing this body. Okay, now for a moment, um, become aware that you're sitting. Just know, oh, sitting is happening right now. And now, have the direct experience of sitting. What is sitting like? Be intimate with it and as if you never sat before. Look at the experience of sitting fresh. You don't have to milk it for anything more than it is, but just just connect with it directly. Nothing special, nothing cosmic that you're trying to make happen, but just the direct experience of sitting. One of my teachers said, if you can sit and know that you're sitting, the whole of the Dharma is revealed. Okay, you can open your eyes if you like. So, this is, it's not, I don't want to make this too esoteric, but it's just having this um, this attitude of of appreciation and not so much conceptual but directly connecting I was just um, um, looking at a, a book that 's going to be coming out um, in the fall which i 'm 
uh, I'm really happy about Kitty Sorrow and Tanisra, who are two wonderful teachers that, that are going to be I think, coming to the Bay Area for a while, called Listening to the Heart. <clears throat> and uh, this is the how, how uh, it starts. Although it feels like we're going somewhere, in the paradoxical path of awakening, we're learning to be more fully here now. Though it sounds simple, this is not so easy to do. Lost in the dream of getting to the place we think we need to be, we generate all sorts of problems for ourselves and others. The poignant irony of our endless seeking is that we are what we are looking for is already here within the heart. We're waking awakening into an awareness that knows no ultimate separations. There's no other that is out there. Consciousness, when it is aware of its own nature, knows itself as everything. It is reader and writer, the stars in the ink black night, and the one looking at those stars. As we realize this, we are drawn into intimacy with all life. I was remembering um, one of my favorite books and perhaps one of your favorite books, um, The Little Prince. Do you remember The Little Prince? It's such a good book. And he, uh, in the book, the, the, the fox tells the little prince, it's the time you spent on your rose that makes your rose important. It's the time you spent on your rose that makes your rose important. We can be so superficially here and miss out on life. I wanted to read a couple of more quotes. I know Wendy said not to use your phone, <laughs> but I hope it's, in, it's with a, a, a good cause. Um, from the Little Prince. And now here is my secret, a very simple secret. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Mm. So this is the kind of, I'll just stop there. This is the, the kind of seeing that I'm talking about. You know, Vipassana is sometimes um, translated as to see things clearly. But there can be a kind of dualistic um, idea from that phrase. It's really to see things with the heart or to connect directly. Mm. And what that means as much as anything, you know, I talked about not multitasking, it, it's also, uh, the multitasking is a lot about leaning forward, the next thing, oh well, the next thing, the next thing. Uh, I, I heard this uh, um, organizational expert that uh, said, beware of the word just, as in, I'll just check my email before I go. I'll just take a look at this. 
or I'll just, just is deadly. Because it gives the false idea that we can just fit in a little more and we lose connection with everything that's right here. Here's a little uh, exercise that I like to do. Just imagine something you're looking forward to. Maybe the end of this talk or (laughs) something tonight or this weekend, you know. Think of something that you're looking forward to that is uh, a pleasant thought in the future, okay? And now, um, play along with me. Keep your uh, butt on the cushion or the chair and just imagine it's out in front of you and if you can reach far enough, you'll get instant gratification. Okay. So I'd like you now, if you're really going to go for it, some of you have done this before, just reach for it. Go ahead. Go, go, go for it. Come on, instant gratification. It's going to feel so good. <laughs> now, f- notice how it feels as you're leaning forward. And now you realize it's not going to happen because that's the future. So very slowly, slowly, slowly come back to center, to now. Notice how that feels. Notice the difference between, oh, this is going to feel so good and being off balance as your mind is toppling forward, and, oh, there's this moment of life right now. Amazing. And there only is this moment of life right now all the time. Guess what? We just kind of miss it. And if you string those moments enough together, guess what? You've missed out on your life. You know, that... that Wonderful John Lennon line, life is what's happening to you while you're busy making other plans. So, loving the moment is, uh, there are some intrinsic qualities in this capacity to just settle back and be here now, if I can use that beautiful phrase. There is seeing that the moment is a refuge Ah, finally, I don't have to put my mind any place else. Oh, I can just be here and sit and appreciate the fact that I'm alive and sitting. What a place of rest. Have you ever wanted rest from your mind? Here's where it is. Right here. Ah, the present moment is a refuge. There is a quality of gratitude that I've been kind of pointing to, saying, saying yes to life, no matter what, lest yes to life or the Dharma or God or whatever, that in this connecting with the moment, it also is the aid, it's how concentration happens, but in a very relaxed way. You can't force it. It's not 
trying to pounce on the moment. It's, it's really um, just connecting enough so that it can be a very um, um, centered and um, supportive connection. There's a, one, one of my uh, teachers, this Burmese master, Upandita, uh, gave an example. He said, you know, if you're, suppose you're, uh, you have a fork and you want to um, uh, get some broccoli up from a plate. You take that fork, you don't want to smash it on the plate. It'll go smash it through on the broccoli. It'll go flying everywhere. But you don't want to dangle the tines above either. You want to sink it in just enough so that there's a genuine connection with it. Ah, and that feels really good. In concentration practice, the keys, which are kind of pointing to this loving the moment, are called aiming and sustaining, what's called vitaka and vichara, where you aim your attention to the object. Oh, here's the breath, or here's a sound, or whatever it is. Say if you're concentrating, you're just staying with one thing. You're aiming it, say, at the breath, and then vichara is sustaining. That is, you're getting more and more connected with it, not forcing it, not trying, not contracting, but just being interested enough in it. And that's the key, being interested, having that natural curiosity that we're, we come into this world with, a sense of wonder, a sense of interest, being like a child, that's how you love the moment. You know, and as Jesus said, except ye be converted as children, you won't know the kingdom of heaven. And as you can let yourself sink into the moment, just one moment at a time, then you're letting go of everything that you don't need and there's this sense of contentment, of fulfillment in this moment. As I mentioned before, my son Adam, uh, who's a... Uh, very dedicated practitioner calls this feeling abundant enoughness where you have everything you need right now. Now, it's hard enough to love the pleasant. We can space out on the pleasant. It's that much more of a challenge to love or be intimate with things when they're not so pleasant. But I would suggest starting out with connecting with the pleasant and then maybe even opening up to the neutral. Ramdas, by the way, he was, he was talking about this and he, he says his big practice is realizing I am loving awareness. And he was giving this talk uh, to a, a large group of people, and he said he was saying, um, "Oh, I, you know, I love everybody here, and I love my my shawl, and I love uh, my the pictures of Maharaji." And I, 
He, and then he looked down at the carpet and he said, uh, this rug, and he said, and I love this rug. And the rug was kind of a ratty old rug, right? And one of his friends, the guy who made the, uh, the, the film Fierce Grace, this guy Mickey Lemley, came up to him and he said afterwards, do you really love that rug? It's kind of like really funky and gross. And Ram Dass said, yeah. Practice is loving this rug as much as I love everybody here. So Mickey Lemley, took a, a, as a gift, took a picture of the rug, blew it up, one little patch of his rug, and it's hanging in Ram Dass's house to remind him, love that rug as much as you love everything. And then with the hard stuff, uh, not to pretend you're any place other than where you, uh, where you are, but to see, as we've said, that every moment there is a gift in, uh, in opening up to it. Whether you learn about compassion, or you learn about patience, or you learn about the heartbreaking and holding that with with kindness and depth. Every moment counts. And not only connecting out there and letting the love come through you, but also being receptive without grasping and feeling all the love that's around you. Life loves us, but we miss it. We're so busy wondering if we're okay how am I doing? We miss all the goodness coming towards us. And so part of this loving the moment means being receptive and connected without any agenda to all the goodness that is uh, being given to us all the time if we can realize it and see it. Being loving awareness. And then at some point, it's not me loving anything. It's just love finding itself. It's just love seeing itself. And if the word love is, is a stretch for you, you can call it awareness. You can call it life. It doesn't matter what you call it. But it's moving through all of us. And that's where this loving the moment, the duality evaporates, and it's just life using us to love itself. No separation. So, we just have a few moments left. If there's any question or anything that comes up, Perhaps take a comment or two. Yeah. What? Hey, hang on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which one was the secret key? The secret <laughs> loving the moment. Loving the moment. And however that works for you, whatever the words are, connecting with it with a, an open heart with a, a, a sense of appreciation and seeing, oh, 
What a gift this moment is. How do you love the moment when you first wake up in the morning? Uh, Say again. How do you love the moment when you first wake up in the morning? Mm -hmm. How about you? I'm still working on it. Still working on it, yeah. And I am too at times. Although I'll tell you what, I've seen that if you plant the seed, you can practice inclining your mind towards anything. So this, these next few days, just for the fun of it, and I mean for the fun of it, you might, before you get out, and when you, you realize, oh, I've woken up. Hang on. When you've woken up, oh, love that static. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How interesting. Um, that when you've woken up, you are practicing saying yes to your day. If you really want to go whole hog, you might know Tony Robbins. Uh, uh, Tony Robbins practice. He says, "Get out of bed and go." Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> Even if you hate getting out of bed, I've done that a few times, and it's almost impossible to stay contracted and grumpy when you're saying, and you're saying, what a jerk. Yes, 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 yes. But short of that, you can still just say, I am going to appreciate this day as best I can. And maybe even appreciate if, if, if the first thing you do is go to the bathroom. It was one of the things I didn't mention in my talk. Loving peeing. You know, <laughs> We're loving whatever it is that you're doing. Ah, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the fun of it, okay? No, pa- no failing this. And if you come next week, uh, let's just check in, okay? Okay, we, we should probably end. So we'll close with a very short loving kindness. And as you're... Sitting here, just appreciate the fact that you're alive. That's an amazing fact. How did that happen? How did life come together as you? With a consciousness that knows and a body that serves you. Wow. Just appreciate a moment of being alive. You might even, if it feels right, um, give thanks to life. This is a moment, one of the finite moments of your life. And wish yourself well. May I see all the goodness inside and share my love well. May I more and more appreciate this life and wake up fully to it. May I be kind to myself when I forget.
and deepen my compassion. And then extending that to everyone here and out to all beings everywhere. May all appreciate life as it expresses itself through them. May all wake up to that miracle. May all learn to share their love well. And wake up to the highest happiness and peace. And finally, may we share all any goodness that comes from our practicing coming together with all beings, may it be for the benefit of all. Thank you very much for your attention. <clears throat> Have a great couple of weeks. And as Wendy said, your generosity in stacking up the chairs very mindfully, loving doing it as you do. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.